Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome, welcome. So I was given the, uh, the task today to teach on um, fellowship. Fellowship. This is uh, precisely what we're doing today. We're fellowshiping here, uh, fellowshiping here. But let us get a little bit deeper on fellowship. And uh, with that said, so let us pray and uh, let's get into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. What a blessing it is to come and fellowship first with you and then with our brethren. Lord, that we may grow in grace, mercy, love, in righteousness, and all that is good. Lord, lead us today, open the word, and teach us. We need you, and we know that the only place that we find you in, per in all perfection is in your word, Lord, that we need you. Now come teach us about fellowship, what it means to fellow, fellowship with uh, others, with you, and the importance of fellowship. Lord, uh, we live in a world that uh, neglects fellowship. Fle fellowship is something foreign now. Uh, nobody wants to do so. Nobody wants to take the, the high road. Nobody wants to uh, do it. And you are commanding us to do it, to fellowship with one another. There is fruit Teach us today what those fruits are and how can it impact our lives. Lord, we want to be more like you, and this is the reason we fellowship every Sunday morning. We wake up early in the morning. We even lost an hour today, and we're here because we want to learn from you, from you alone, Lord. It is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. So, fellowship. First, I want to define fellowship. In, the, in its original language. Now, you don't have to, it's not going to be in the screen, you don't have to write it, but I'm going to give you different words used in Scripture and uh, give you a, a, a bit of definitions so we get a grasp on the word fellowship. The first word that we're going to use, I think everybody knows it, has heard it many times in different sermons, koinonia, koinonia, which by its definition it says it's fellowship, association, community. Communion. Now we see a, a, a different way of how to uh, spell this word out or usage. The second one is koinonos. Koinonos. The definition is a partner, associate, a comrade, a partner, a sharer in anything. Third word is koinoneo. Koinoneo. The definition is to come into communion or fellowship with, to become a sharer, to become a partner, to enter into fellowship, join oneself to an associate. Last word used in scripture is sung koinonel, sung koinonel, to become again a partaker together with others, or to have fellowship with a thing. I just wanted you to grasp those terms because I want you to get what fellowship is all about. Fellowship is not a lonesome thing. There's not something that we do by ourselves. It is a commandment. And our main passage today, we're going to find it in Hebrews. So if you have your Bibles, electronic or paper, let us go to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25. And I, I think you're going to find some importance here because we live in a modern era, especially post-COVID or still in COVID, where a lot of Christians have taken the opportunity 
to what? Gather by themselves in their lonesome, and, you know, in the com comfortability of their sofa, watching a preacher preach a sermon on the tube, on the television. But is that what the, what the Lord commands us? And this is very important. I think it's very important for us today. So I'm going to read it. And uh, that is the main passage today. So ver uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, it reads, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I think that, I think the, the writer of Hebrews, whether Paul or some other apostle, we are not sure, but the author makes it evident that there are some people, Christians, that neglect fellowship. They are those lone wolves, those lone Christians, those lone rangers, and that's what the writer is telling us not to be and not to do. Now, we are not known as lone rangers. We're known as sheep, and we belong to a flock. We're going to see that a little bit later. But to summarize the general idea of fellowship, it is to be in association of, to participate with someone in something. It is to share, to have in common, to partner with some, someone in something, and to join in something. That is what we're doing every time we come in and we fellowship together, right? We're joining in something. So how is, the, how is fellowship or the principle of fellowship used in the Bible? Well, first, it refers to a Christian's relationship to the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Second, it refers to, the, to a Christian's relationship to other believers. And it refers to a Christian's working together in matters pertaining to the Lord. So coming together and working together. And lastly, it refers to a person's relationship with works of darkness. How we keep darkness at bay, right? So we need fellowship for all of these things. Let me give you a definition that John Calvin uh, wrote, and, and I think it's, I love it. I love how he expressed it. He says, fellowship means sharing in common or sharing together. The idea that we, who were so defiled by sin, could have fellowship, could share together with the holy God, not just for a few years, on this earth, but forever. That should overwhelm us, he says. That should overwhelm us. And that was John Calvin. So where does fellowship begin? All right, so I'm going to make this interactive, but I'm going to give you a little, I'm giving you a little intro, right? Where does fellowship begin? Well, fellowship begins with a true relationship with God. That's it. I don't care how much fellowship you have out there, how many associations. True fellowship begins with a re true relationship with God. And we enter in true fellowship with God when we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. One cannot have fellowship with God unless God draws you to Him. It's impossible. 
I think we all got that clear, right? This is not a salvation uh, Sunday morning. So not only do we have fellowship with God the Father, but we also have fellowship with His Son and the Holy Spirit. And I want you guys to look up some verses for me. Uh, Tony, can you look up for me 1 Corinthians 1, 9. Osborne, <laughs> can you look up for me 2 Corinthians 13, 14? And Mike, can you look up for me 1 John 1, 3? I'm trying to remember all the names, so bear with me. Get in there, get in there. Yeah, we have fellowship with Christ, right? We, that's imperative. Osborne? 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Absolutely. And 1 John 1, 3. Absolutely. Yeah, there is a fellowship. There is fellowship with God first. And that goes, we have fellowship with the brethren, right? But most importantly, fellowship starts with God himself. We ought to be Careful and make sure that we are in fellowship with God. That should be our first priority. Are we saved? How is our salvation looking like? Are we just sitting in a couch every Sunday looking at, which, I, by the way, not, nothing wrong with that, Come, you know, being on a Sunday, watching a sofa, watching a preacher. Nothing wrong with that. But what we're going to see today is that fellowship is part of our salvation. There's no, we cannot, this is not something that we, ha, we can bargain with. We, there's nothing we could, this, this is imperative. This is a commandment, right? And now, we're all gonna, also going to see that in fellowship with God, we are partakers of the divine nature. And that blows me away. Uh, Troy, can you look up for me, please, if you don't mind? Second Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Second Peter chapter 1. Verses 1 to 4. That is the beauty and beauty, uh, that's the delight of being in fellowship with the Father. We are now rid of sin in the sense that sin no longer controls us. Yes, we, we live in this sinful nature. We will sin, but we are no longer slaves to, to sin. And that is the beauty of fellowshipping with our God. Troy? Absolutely. And it goes back to that fellowship it starts with God himself. The, the triune being that is the whole, holy, mighty, almighty God is in constant fellowship with himself. The Son is in fellowship face to face. John 1.1, 1, 1, it says that he was face to face since the beginning, whatever, you could stretch the beginning as far as you want to take it, eons and eons, and he was face to face with the Father. That is the closeness, so we get that idea. It's a close, a tight closeness. It says there's intimacy in fellowship. There's a closeness. It's in, like someone in a battlefield, especially back in the Romans, in the Romans or Greek days, they would fight close to, close to each other. There was a fellowship. They were shoulder to shoulder and had the shield up. They were so close-knit that they would protect each other. That is that, that sense of fellowship. 
So I think that we know where we're going with this, right? Eventually. And a fellowship with the Father can only be maintained by walking in the light. Can someone read for me 1 John 1, 5 and 7? So 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. Whoever finds it quicker, whoever has that quick... It's, it's evident that true fellowship with God is a, a repentance of sin. It's a walking away from sin. And that's, a, that's something for us believers. We ought to always examine ourselves. Where are we in this fellowship? Yeah, there are seasons in the fellowship with God that it could be cold. I get that. But we could never be so far gone. That's impossible. So when we're... We are in those moments of low fellowship or not, you know, not so close connection. We have to go back. Are we walking in darkness? Are we walking in light? Only true fellowship with God comes when we are walking in light, living a life of righteousness, of godliness, of, of working out our gifts for others. But it starts there, right? It starts there. So what are the benefits of being in fellowship with God? What are those benefits? Aside from enjoying the sweet gift of salvation, I'm going to give you some, and then I'm going to give you some verses. Can you guys read it for me? I I would really appreciate that. So number one, fellowship affords Christians the means to go to the Father in prayer. There's nothing better, nothing sweeter that could, for us believers, that we could come whatever time of day. God is never busy for us. Always available. And when I sometimes call my wife, she calls me sometimes I'm not available. And, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, I called you. It's important, you know. Can you pick up? But, but we're human, right? We're not available all the time. And we have a Father that is available 24-7. And that's beautiful. Let us go to John 15-7. If someone could read that for me. John 15-7. Again, it's that abiding fellowship with God. And he is a God that invites us to ask him. As good father, he's asking us to do what? I have great fellowship with you. Now, through the, the death, uh, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have per- perfect fellowship with me. Now, I'm inviting you to ask anything you want. That's a good father. That's great fellowship. So that's what fellowship does. It starts with God, and these are the benefits, Right? These are the benefits. Um, And then on on a side note on that, Jesus Christ is the intercessor for those in fellowship with the Father. Not only that we have fellowship with the Father, but we have an intercessor constantly there for 24-7. A lawyer, so to speak, the best lawyer. Think of the best human lawyer possible. We got the best of the best. Constantly there, intercessing for us. And can someone read for me Romans 8, 31 to 34? Romans 8, that famous passage in Scripture, verses 31 to 34. And then can someone, Lewis, can you read for me if you don't mind? No? No? You don't? No? Uh, Wade? Man, there is no condemnation for those who are in fellowship with God. That's beautiful. No condemnation. No one could point a finger. No one. 
Not even your worst enemies. Not sin, not death, not Satan. No, not, that's it. no one can point a finger at you. Because we have Christ as our intercessor. That's how great of a fellowship we, we, we have with him. Kirk, can you read for me Hebrews chapter 7, 25? Hebrews 7, 25. He always lives to make intercession. There's, Christ is not tired of intercessing for you. Being, being your mediator. And that is what fellowship has brought you. True fellowship with the Lord. Those are the benefits. Also, the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit also makes intercession for those in fellowship with God. And I'm going to read for you Romans 8, 26, 27, which says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groaning, too deep for words, and he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. So think about that. Even when in our weakness, when we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit is interceding for us. He's actually fixing your prayers, so to speak. Sometimes we don't know what we pray for, right? Sometimes we pray things that are not aligned with God's will, and here's the Spirit Fixing our prayers so that it's delightful to the ears of God. Isn't that wonderful? That is true fellowship. And I think that at the end of the day, we're the benefactors of, this, of, the, of the, this great fellowship. What are we to give God? He needs nothing. He needs no one. He exists only through Him, by Him. And we, here we are being the great benefactors of fellowship with God. We have a spirit, we have a, an advocate that intercedes for us in our weakness. So, let me give you a, another one, another benefit. Fellowship affords a peace of mind. Philippians 4, 6, 7. Can someone read it for me? Any other sisters, if you don't mind? Philippians 4, 6, 7. This is a part of fellowship that we neglect so much. We live in a modern day where work has us anxious. School has us anxious. Sometimes even church is anxious. Right? And, 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 and here is the Word of God telling us that we could come to the Father in fellowship, ask anything from Him, and be not anxious about anything. That is the fellowship. Yep, Kirk. No, no, absolutely. Go ahead. Absolutely. He says anything. Anything. Sometimes we're so concerned and, and anxious about relationships here as well. So, you know, some of us suffer from uh, social anxiety, especially in the modern days of social media. And we worry too much about what people think of us, about what if this friend did not invite me to a wedding or whatever it may, it may, may be. And we have the, the FUD, the fear of missing out. And, and, and Christ is saying is, saying, have peace of mind. Be anxious about nothing. Because in all reality, the fellowship that we need and we have is in Christ. 
Yes, I get it. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. There, there's that factor of, of, of acknowledging. I am suffering from this. I need you in this. As a good father, he's listening. Oswald? Absolutely. 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 Great point. Great point. I believe that that's true. Peace of mind is a practice. And I believe what Paul is telling us here is that we ought to practice that daily. It's to surrender, to know that you are in true fellowship with the almighty sovereign God, that he has everything under control. And I think that's an exercise. Louis? Absolutely. 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 Great point. Great point. I think that uh, one of the best ways, I think Paul would agree to that, is that we, we know we're in fellowship and communion with Christ. If we are believe, true believers, we are in true fellowship. And like you said, Louis, it's not interrupted because of him. It's interrupted because of us. One of the best ways we could do that is practice this, right? Romans 8, 26, 27. Constantly come to him, giving it all, Laying it on his feet, and that's something that we don't want to do. We hold on to a lot of things. We hold on to our social uh, friends, and we want to co have control over everything, our children, our parents. We want to, have, want to have control over everything. Whether I get the next promotion, and we do everything in our power, and even them some, we try to configure everything, and we leave God for last. And like, to your point. He doesn't change. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But we need to remind her, uh, reminded of this thing. We live in an era of... of yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great one. And I think that we're falling into an era or, or age of deception where the world tells you, no, the only source of of power, it's in you. The only source of knowledge, it's in you. Trust in you. So they're trying to raise men up, so to speak, right? When the Bible teaches the opposite, humble yourself. Let everything onto God's feet. Lay it there. He's in control, to Lewis' point. He never changes. He's the constant. We're the ones who change. Absolutely. Uh, we have fellow our fellowship affords victory over death. I mean, that is the great uh, constant in this world is that we all die. You know, going to Bo Pastor Bob's funeral, many of us went there, and it was a uh, it was joy there as believers, knowing that he was in a better place, and he he is he he is with his Maker. But it was somber to know and see the pictures of, when he, of, the, of his youth when he was vibrant. He was a vibrant man. Loved to fish, loved the outdoors, right? 
It's a very smart individual. And all of that counts for nothing. So whatever the world tells you, yeah, we do this. Get a double master. Get a double doctorate. Be smart. You know, forget about family. Just go on yourself. Be successful. But at the very end, all accounts for nothing. As the psalmist said, vanity of vanity. All is vanity. All of it. Even with us. But fellowship with the Father, fellowship with Christ and the Holy Spirit allows us the victory over death. And let me give you some passages. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 56. If someone could do that, read that for me. 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 15, 1, 5, verses 50 to 56. And then 1 John chapter 5. Verses 4 to 5. It gives us the victory. We have victory over death. One thing that we, have to, we don't have to fear any longer is death. As our brother Troy would, would put it, I don't think there's someone I've seen that is not more afraid of anything. I mean, you're not afraid of nothing. You're not afraid of dying. You, you don't care. You just want to go. Oh, maybe afraid of a few things, but, 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 but he just wants to go home. He knows that death is victory. Death is victory. I haven't seen anybody ask for death more than our brother Troy. And man, I know that God is going to keep him here for a long time. It's one of those things. It's, 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 it's the humor of God, right? Sometimes we ask some things and we hear God is dying. Like, no, nah, you don't even know what you're asking for, man. Like, relax. Methuselah, there you go. <laughs> oh, man, the guy is going to see the second coming for sure. <laughs> Maybe in an old age, but, he was, but he's going to see it, you know? But yeah, we, we no longer have to fear death, the big constants. Everybody fears it. Of time of troubles, you see that people are all constantly asking us believers, what do you think? Man, I'm afraid of death. I'm afraid of dying this way and that way. They have fear. And us Christians, we don't have to live in fear. And if someone could read for me, what's the other passage? First John 5, four, uh, chapter 5, verses 4 to 5. We have overcome the world and everything that it throws at us. Everything. I don't care if war in Ukraine piles up and it, go, it, it ravages all Europe and whatever. I don't care. I don't care. I've overcome the world not on my own strength, not on my own smarts, not because my country is more powerful than theirs, not because I have more nuclear weapons, not because I have the biggest army. No, because I have a Savior in Christ Jesus who died for me. Osborne. Nothing. Amen. Thank you for that, Osborne. Well, great said. You know, I work at a bank. And I have a cubicle, right? And then I, I see the teller line. And I constantly see now with the whole war in, in, in Ukraine, I see people panicking. You know, they're tense. And they come to the bank and I need $20,000 in cash. I'm going to put it in my home, my safe at home. And it's that safety net that they need. Because what if the bombs come tomorrow or a cyber attack? And I'm there looking at them and I'm like, man, you're missing 
you have false hope in things that cannot save you. And that's a great moment of mine to go and say, rejoice, O heart of mine. I have a sweet Savior. Man, this is not it for me. This is temporal. While you are trying to save you, your flesh, it's like Jesus said, whoever tries to save, right, yourself, you lose, lose yourself. You gain treasures of heaven. Yep, absolutely. Well said, Osborne. Uh, so, with this said, do not take your fellowship with God lightly. Take it to heart. Establish your, our relationship or fellowship by faithfully serving the Heavenly Father. Uh, part of fellowship with God is to partake. Remember the, the, the definitions. To partake, to share in. And one of the ways is to share in uh, your gift that God has given you. Part of the fellowship that our fellowship with God, it, it entails your gift. And every single one of you has a gift. Every single one of you. Share in your gifts, and, in, and that will grow your fellowship with God. And, and I think that, you know, day around, what, I haven't found my gift. That's okay. And remember, not everybody's a preacher. Not everybody is a teacher. But everybody has a gift. And my best advice for you, if you haven't found your gifts, gift is there, it's just continued work. Surf. God will reveal your gift. Pray. Pray for it. But as you, you're not just sitting in the, in the bench waiting until magically pops into your head, oh, this is my gift, right? Maybe the gift of teaching. No. Just continue to serve in the local body of, of the church and God will reveal to you your gift. Very important. That's part of fellowship with God. Hmm? Second, develop your, your fellowship with Him. Be in the Word. Be in the Word. And I know this is, becomes repetitive, right? Be in the Word. Yeah, be in the Word. Yes, be in the Word. This is a window, guys. This is the opportunity that we have to see God as He truly is. Not as the world explains it or false religions tell us, but this is the way to actually find Christ. Fully being the word, then enjoy the wondrous benefits of fellowship with the Heavenly Father. Yep, Tony. Absolutely. I think we're we, back to the, to the anxiety. Uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Mirror. Mirror. I like that. I like that. Uh, you know, a lot of the, t- the times I found myself. This is my, my own personal life. When I am anxious, the constant is that I'm not reading the Word. I find myself getting into the news. My, 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 my wife could tell you that I love getting up in the morning, maybe watching the news, being informed, and then that creates an anxiety about me. And I'm like, why is it that I, the first thing I do is go to the news and not go to where I really should be going. <laughs> and that takes away all the anxiety in the world. I now go to, to my work and I'm like, ah, I don't know, the beauty could collapse, I don't care, right? <laughs> it gives you that sense of, 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 of security that we are in Christ. And, and I think that we forget that. Now, fellowship with the brethren. I think that 
when we hear the word fellowship, I think that's what we mostly think of, fellowship with the brethren. Um, and I want us to go to 1 John, the first chapter, 3 to 7. And please understand, first and foremost, that your fellowship with fellow brethren in Christ is contingent upon your maintaining your fellowship with the Heavenly Father, with our God. That's how it goes first. We have fellowship with God, and then we have perfect communion, fellowship with our brethren. How strong our fellowship is with God, how, fellowship, how strong our fellowship with our brothers will be. Fellowship has to, we have to have fellowship in a high view that starts with God. And then it will crumble down like a pancake house to our brethren. That's how we, we love God, we will love our brethren. Right? Because we understand true love when we love God. Right? Because He is love. And let's go to, yeah, someone read for me first, first John 1, 3 and 7. 3 to 7, sorry. He says, he says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in light, he is the light, we have fellowship with one another. He, it, fellowship starts with God. And according to that fellowship, that's our relationship we're going to have with our brothers. I believe, I strongly believe that those Christians that do not hold fellowship, communion, in a high standard is because they have a weird, perverted, twisted way of fellowship with the Lord. It starts with God. Those who don't want to commune, don't want to meet together, something off. Absolutely. I can't, can't say nothing more to that. Amen. Let's close. Let's go. No, no, no. Man. I, I, I truly believe that. I, I truly believe that. A low view of the church is a low view of God. It's that simple. You know, and I know that in our human nature, we're tired at times. We don't want to come. We don't want to meet. I know that. But when we go back to God and who He is, we have a high view of the church. He's giving us the church. It's a means of grace. And if He commands to meet regularly, we ought to do so. We ought to do so. Because we love God that much. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, our fellowship is based on our sharing of a common fellowship with Christ. However, there are other areas where, wherein we share or jointly participate in spiritual matters. Number one, we walk in the light of the gospel. And I have a... A verse for that, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to 4. Someone could read that for me. Well, time is running. Incredible. Uh, I know, I know. Oh. The gospel brings us together. Once, I don't know, I don't know where you were saved, what point in time. I remember I was saved in a my bank. I was working in a bank, and someone preached the gospel to me. But immediately there was a sense of belonging. That's what the gospel did to me, for me, 
And then the question was, now I am saved, now what? Where do I go? Do I stay home? Do I continue going to the clubs? What does it mean? Then immediately there was a sense of belonging to a family. And immediately I wanted to search for that family and be with them. It's impossible to be a Christian and to be a lone ranger. It's impossible. It's impossible. Bible calls us a flock of sheep, imperfect, biting each other, but a flock of sheep nonetheless, under one shepherd. So think of that. That's what the gospel does. Not only saves us, it gives us means of grace, gives us family, imperfect in every single way, but that's the, the church that Christ died for imperfect and we should have a high view of fellowship with one another okay we are fellow citizens of the household of god can someone read for me ephesians 2 19 to 22 ephesians 2 19 to 22 our fellowship extends more than a, our earthly ministries buildings goes so much further eternity we are fellow citizens of the household of god absolutely i am with you 100 percent. i i think that we for, we forget that the centerpiece of of the uh, satan's attack is the church it always will be whether wars famines or whatever may play, may come the church, it's in the center. Now, I've read countless stories of the Black Plague, the Black Death, uh, and Christians were there not hiding, but they were active helping, helping others, putting themselves to ri at risk. I don't remember the year there was a, a, in, in the Roman Empire. Uh, the church was already established. I think the apostles was, were already gone. And uh, there was a huge famine and plague in, in, in the land. And Romans were dying left and right. And the historians record that Christians, you know, that few Christians, only Christians were the ones coming to aid. They saved the Roman Empire. They were the doctors. They were the healers. They were praying over people. So to your point, yes, we live in, a, in an era that we forget that. And uh, our... Commandment is to meet, is to come and gather. Come and gather. Yeah, I also praise those uh, pastors who were boldly and, uh, and brave. Yes, at the beginning, maybe being, you know, taking precaution, but then we have a higher mandate it's to come and gather. I don't care if we spread out, I don't care if we do it outside. It's to gather. That is a mandate. And then, Troy. Well, I think my time is done. So I'm going to leave that minute to questions and answers. <laughs> if anybody has questions, maybe some comments. Someone wants to. Uh, yeah, I was given uh, fellowship and worship. And I told Victor, hey, man, I think with fellowship alone, we could go like two, three, three uh, Sunday mornings. But yeah, I haven't even woof, got into the nearby. But it was awesome. It was awesome to be with you guys to fellowship today, this morning. Talk about the important things of God. I think that uh, we go through long weeks 
very taxing, very, you know, school work. And uh, this is our time for us to fellowship, to get to know each other, to have godly conversations, to encourage one another. I think that's important. And to everyone that's here, continue to do so. That's godly. Press on. Press on. Keep pressing on those godly virtues. It's, it's, it matters. At the end of the day, you see that it matters. And God does not do anything out of uh, you know, coincidence. See, there's purpose to fellowship. There is fellow, this, this purpose. And one, one day, when our minds are enlightened in perfection, we'll look back and go, wow, this is why, Lord, really. Yeah, we, I think we, we, we think we got a sense of fellowship uh, today, but one, at one point in, in eternity, we will be in awe of what, how, you know, this means of grace that God has given us. Amen. Let us pray, and I think, uh, yeah, 9.30, <laughs> I mean, 10.30. Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment that you have given us. Lord, there are no coincidences with you, and those who are gathered here, I hope that some of us needed to hear uh, about fellowship, Lord. Uh, Lord, fellowship is a gift. You, you are yourself. You're in fellowship yourself. You have taught us. You're giving us principles why fellowship is important because you yourself are in fellowship in the Trinity, in the Godhead, Lord, and, and thank you for that. Allow us to grow in fellowship with one another, Lord, that we may leave our presuppositions behind us and, and social, social statuses and, uh, behind us and let us just gather together with a holy people, a holy nation, and ultimately to worship your name. That is the goal. Lord, we see that at the end of days, all nations will gather in perfect fellowship to do one thing. It is to proclaim your name. It is to worship you. It is to exalt you and put your name higher than any, anyone else's. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation that we will gather, we will be the ones that gather at that one, given, you know, one point in, in history and worship you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for this morning. Now bless us with the, the word and worship that we're about to have. Also with the fellowship time we're going ha to have also. maybe a great time for us to catch up, encourage one another, pray for each other, and grow in righteousness. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your gift. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.